You're listening to Outside by Design, a podcast about the business of creativity in the outdoor industry. This podcast is brought to you by Wheelie, a creative agency for people who thrive outside. We help connect people with themselves, each other, and the natural world through communication and creative work that makes people feel feelings and take action. Basically, we're all about making marketing that matters. This is our podcast about leveling up yourself, your brand, and your community through powerful creative work. Hello, Outside by Design listeners. Thanks so much for being here. I am Iris from Wheelie. And this week at Wheelie, we have been going back and forth from dawn to dusk on a bunch of different video shoots. So it's just me this week introducing our podcast guest, but we have an incredible episode this week. This one is meaty with tons of information about the outdoor industry, about trends, and I can't wait for you to hear our special guest, Don Ray Noth. Dawn Ray is an expert on trends, color, and merchandising direction. She is part of the reason why your jacket is a certain color or your backpack is a certain color. She helps brands project into the future what gear is going to look like, what colors people are going to be into, and she is a fascinating and brilliant person. This is a wonderful episode, so please enjoy this interview with Dawn Ray. So Don Ray, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you. The first question we ask every single guest is to describe where they are in the world and what you're looking at. Um, I am in Bend, Oregon in my home office, and um, I am looking outside in my backyard at a lot of ponderosa pine trees and some junipers. That sounds beautiful. I love Bend. We have worked with 10 Barrel quite a bit, so it's very fun when we get to go there. Yeah, you guys did some awesome work for them. They're really fun. Um, So I'm curious. I'm so interested and I'm so excited to talk to you because you do so much work around trend and color and merchandising and this super special side of the industry Um, that I think gets left out sometimes when people think creative. They think digital and photo, and um, you have a tremendous impact on the outdoor industry. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I hope so. I mean, in some ways, I guess, like, if you um, don't notice it, then maybe we're doing, me and other people who do the same uh, job, we're doing a really good job when um, when it just works. Right. When you don't notice it. Yeah. Yeah. So for our listeners and for me, can you describe sort of what it is that you do? Yeah. So um, uh, it ranges from like uh, smaller scale projects to big ones, but like for um, kind of like the bigger kind of work that I do with clients is um, I help them look out uh, like 18 months to two years out on what's going to be shaping the lifestyles of their consumers. Um, so basically just like what what's going to be important to um, the people that already buy from them or the people that uh, they hope to connect with. And then using that, um, we let 
those influences start to guide what that means for design, what it means for color, what it means for how you merchandise a collection or um, mini collections within a line. Um, also, like, what does that mean for prints and patterns and marketing and really like what what how does that influence the stories that a brand tells and how they connect to their consumers oh this is so cool so (laughs) (laughs) what like how in the world are you making these predictions two years out where does all this information come from um it it there's no crystal ball like I think that that's like just this sense that anyone who does what I do, we just kind of like make it up and tell enough people. And so it will happen. Um, (laughs) It's not that it's really, I mostly, I, I feel like it's paying attention and really looking um, at what's going on in the world and thinking about where that's likely to take us down the road um, and then fine tuning that for a particular brand um, and for that particular brand's product. So, you know, it's one thing to look at um, what's happening globally, what are global issues, and then how do those translate to the outdoor industry? And then how do those translate to a particular um, brand, like what's the brand personality um, and what's the consumer personality that buys from that brand? So then how does that further narrow the guardrails? Um, and just trying to make sense of of that. So like just um, if somebody is fly fishing now, um, how will they approach that sport differently in two years or um, what, what kinds of materials will they be like intrigued by or what sorts of colors will still appeal to them? Um, and, and what will they want unchanged? And then balancing that with, from just a logistics of running a brand and having retailers carry your product and the lifestyle or the life cycle that products need to have, how do you marry newness with what needs to stay the same and still let it be exciting? Wow. What, how do you do that? Um, it's a, uh, <laughs> it's some math and some <laughs> art and um, it is like, it's, it, it's all the pieces. And I think that's what I, I love the most about it is that, I mean, it, I get to be really creative, um, but I also get to be really kind of math, math, mathematical and logical about um, like, how do, how do you keep a brand going from being fiscally responsible and also just like not overburdening different departments in a company Um, How do you do that responsibly and also not ask your retailers to continue to turn over product or discount last season and bring in next season? How do do you balance that with also like continuing to innovate and 
be appealing. Um, and I think that that all has gotten even more important now with, um, I think, so many more people um, and us, hopefully, as a country at some point, becoming aware of how important sustainability is. And um, yeah, so it's a lot of, I, I'm not really answering your question. Um, I think it's a lot of conversations and understanding uh, and getting input from all um, departments within a company to make sure that all um, goals are being met. And that's what's going to make any sort of seasonal collection the most successful and then make a company the most successful long term. Yeah, that sounds extraordinarily interesting. And also extraordinarily <laughs> complex. <laughs> like what, I don't know, like I see that you work quite a bit with Marmot. Um, so like what, what kinds of meet, how many people are in your meetings? Or like, do you meet with different departments on different days and then you bounce all over the place to come up with some symbiotic relationship or what, how does that happen? Uh, well, first I I don't currently work with Marmot, but I worked with them for like the first 12 years of um, my business and they're fantastic, but they brought that position in house um, and kudos like to them. Like that was, I have a lot of wonderful um, relationships from that time that have continued to, but um, to answer like your, your main question um, for the most part, in most of my meetings, it's uh, usually um, people within the design department or design and development, um, at least to get uh, a, a strong point of view for the season um, or for the year, depending on the cadence of um, product releases for a particular client. But there is input uh, at more pivotal meetings or pivotal points in the timeline, um, there are meetings with um, sales, with marketing and uh, operations, and just to make sure that we're paying attention to all aspects. And I and one thing that's been cool um, lately is uh, I I have a lot of clients that are bringing in marketing with design a lot more. And so we're really making sure that the story of what like is consumer facing really meshes a lot more with like the internal language that we're using a lot within the design department. Ooh, our audience and myself as well will love that. Love learning more about that because um, I'm so interested in kind of on your website, you reference them as color stories. Yeah. For, so what like what does that mean and how can that translate to marketing and photography? Um, so specifically when like I use color story, I think of it more as like um, a, a grouping of colors that work really well together uh, that may create an outfit or may like all work on a um, on footwear together or on a backpack. Um, but on like a bigger definition, looking more at story, like a lot of the uh, trend decks that I do 
for clients, I break those into kind of usually like three or four main stories for whatever year or season we're focusing on and talk about like, okay, on one hand, this is going to be a big story for your customers um, in two years. So I mean, like my previous example, like sustainability, like that's just, I mean, it's been in our industry for a long time, but it's also continuing to evolve and what um, what innovations are happening and then how it's being spoken about um, and how we can try to solve problems using different sorts of routes. Um, so it's taking that main trend and then trying to develop a story around it using color and language, verbal and design language that will really connect to the particular customer for that brand. Um, so making sure like, okay, if you're telling an eco story and it's going to go with this, um, these sorts of materials and they have these features, like this isn't a fluff story. We're not just trying to like get on the bandwagon, but we've got like all this amazing innovation behind it. And then we're going to use color to help tell that story. Um, and that doesn't necessarily like, it doesn't mean the colors have to be really earthy. It doesn't mean they have to be really vegetal or washed. Like it, what it does mean is that a brand needs to have a strong point of view on how they're using color to um, communicate that story. But I don't, but you can do that in many different ways. And then tying that into like the piece that you guys do so well is just like showing more visuals and video and like campaigns and um, really helping to drive that whole story. And I think, to me, I think that that is only be going to become more and more important. Um, I, I think it's already super critical, but it's going to become crucial, I think, in the very near future um, to make sure that your the stories your brand, uh, the stories you're telling tie into the purpose of why you exist and the purpose behind what the brand wants to do um, and that, that those all have to be about more than just selling product. Mm. That's a lot. That is, that's amazing. There's so many layers here. So I'm curious, like color stories on a on a product, right? So how many different colors are on like a backpack or something becomes the color story of that product. Is That's what you kind of said, or that is what you said, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm tr and uh, this is all new information to me. So I'm, I'm like really excited. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that terminology on the color stories of the backpack. So what, like, what are, when you are sitting down and you're going to design a backpack versus like, footwear or outerwear like what are some cool little nuanced things that like only you or someone like you would know that um are just really important to the product mm. um how fabric different fabrics and different materials take color is huge um that can be like such a limiter uh 
and and picking colors knowing what materials they're going to be on helps tremendously like because some materials just make certain colors look really dull or um washed out or some colors can look really weird on some materials if like the weight of the color doesn't match like the weight of the material you know like if some if a color is really heavy but a material is really lightweight sometimes there's just like it just like feels wrong when you look at it um so i think knowing those sorts of things and then also thinking about um like when somebody is buying footwear or a backpack it's a little different this is like a broad statement but it's a little different than um buying a shirt like they're probably going to have those that pair of shoes or that backpack for a little bit longer and they're going to wear it with a lot of other things that they own so there might be different color considerations that they would want for shoes or a backpack or a shell jacket versus a more simple like shirt so considering that or like like a something that's more an accessory, like a water bottle, like that's something that you can be, I think a little bit more playful with um, when it comes to color, because it's it's uh, much more of an expression item. I mean, there are certainly like many people who also just want a very functional core, um, low key, you know, give me black, give me gray, give me white, but um, it's also a place that you can play with color more. So yeah, now I'm rambling a little bit, but I, I I think it's just paying attention to what does that color need to do for the consumer um, every day. Wow. Yeah, and also I can't even imagine the amount of thought that goes into, like I see that you have worked with Live Cycling. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, what has to go into like how clothing sits on a body in many different situations and many body types and kind of um, how to design something so like tight and intimate on a body. Yeah, I do. Liv is um, an awesome brand. I've worked with them for many years and I do um, cycling kit designs for them. Like I do the um, like the um, surface design the prints um, for live and then for giant for men and God, there's such like a, both brands are super awesome to work with. And it is really interesting to work, to work with them. And they definitely consider like all the different types of people that are going to be wearing their products. And so how does the design need to um, be tweak to fit that and also like what does that mean for pattern and prints and graphics and color placement and the reflective like galactic reflective leg warmers are I love so those. cool <laughs> I love those did you how how did that come to fruition and like how, how did you have to test that or come up with that um, so Liv gives a ton of like really awesome inspiration 
uh, at the beginning of like any like project we engage with. So they definitely like filter in some cool images and then um, I take it from there and just kind of work on different concepts. And um, so I think that, I think their initial imagery was um, kind of more starscapes and um, the potential for reflective or like ombre type um, patterns. And then, um, yeah, what you see is where we landed. But I love like, I love the reflectivity too, like that the design becomes such a, the aesthetics become a part of like the function of the product. Oh, yeah. So when you, like, what's your approach? Do you form over function or both? Or kind of where do you land with that? Mm, I think both. I think um, beautiful, long-lasting design has both. I, I mean, I, I for sure think that function matters um, for giving purpose for something to exist. But I think that the aesthetics of something are what make you love it mm -hmm. or connect with it. And I think that's, um, I mean, going back to like us talking about story, I think it's all about connection and we use story to connect with each other and brands use story to connect with their consumers. And I think, um, aesthetics are a very strong part of communicating that story. Yeah. And like feeling good on your bike, for example. Yeah. Or just feeling happy, right? Like, and to find joy in that, that just because you're doing something serious or you're very serious about a particular activity you're doing, or, I mean, shoot, you're serious when you're driving your car, but like, you might want it in a fun color because that just makes you smile. And like, why, like, why not be able to smile when you're interacting with your things or putting on your clothes or riding your bike or strapping on your skis, you know? Yeah. And, and kind of, um, the options for women are so much better now. You know, it used to just be black and then it was black and pink. Uh, and now it's, I feel like I can purchase mountain bike apparel that is an expression of who I am or the way I feel inside too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I totally agree. I think that's pretty exciting. What, uh, what's your favorite, like, what's your just personal, like, oh man, I love, I loved that. Like what's one of your favorite, um, products that you've gotten to work on or something like that? Oh, um, that's a great question. Um, I think one of my first ones, so before I went on, on my own, I've been solo for 19 years, but before that I was an employee at Chaco. And um, that was when Chaco was, you know, still in Paonia, Colorado and small. And those were some good days. And yeah. I designed the webbing patterns. And I remember the first time I was, on an airplane somewhere and I, um, and somebody like walked down the aisle that had like my sushi pattern 
on. And I like, that was like kind of the first moment I was like, wow, that's really cool. I did that. Um, and I don't know that person. Uh, so that was, that was my, I guess my first moment. One of like the more recent ones, uh, I've worked with Mystery Ranch for a long time and uh, they did like uh, a whole like recoloring of their everyday carry line. Uh, we worked on that together and it just looked absolutely stunning. Um, and it like just going to OR and seeing just the array of packs and all the colors and and also knowing the great feedback they were getting like that um that felt really good and very recently um I've been working with oboes for the last few years and one of my favorite people in the industry um to work with Brian Kresel he is the designer there and or now one of the designers there, but he's super talented. And he, um, some of the work that he did just launched um, and it's a, uh, it's called the Bozeman collection. And I did the color for it. And it's just much more like fun lifestyle, like um, town to trail uh, shoes. And they, they just look, great and color came out great and the designs look really fantastic and the team there is just so amazing to work with um yeah oh that's cool i i can identify with kind of i call them the silent victories where you're out in public and you see someone interacting with your art in some way yeah you know like for me usually it's like seeing a photo i took somewhere or a campaign I worked on or like a, a beer bottle at a grocery store somewhere. Um, and then I like watch people and they, they pull the 10 barrel off the shelf or whatever. And I, I like to think it's for the package design, but I'm sure it, it's it totally is. Beer. <laughs> but I, I know that feeling where you sit there and you're like, yes, um, it's kind of exciting. And, yeah, totally. And then there's yeah. also the opposite feeling of sometimes by the time it got to market, it got, tweaked in a little way that you're like oh no 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 no! those colors were really never supposed to like be together like that shouldn't mm-hmm. have happened <laughs> I love that that's fun <laughs> so when so we work with a lot of people in varying stages of their business um from entrepreneurs to companies that are growing apparel companies and gear companies how big do you think a company needs to be before they bring in someone like you like you know whether it's like should they be doing that early on or is there a certain threshold or kind of what's your advice to people with brands in varying stages oh, that's a uh, that's a really good question um it it really doesn't it doesn't matter it's kind of when the brand needs the help um, because I work with uh, companies or individuals that are just starting out to like the very like kind of almost like corporate um, outdoor companies as well uh, they they range from 
size and um, how long they've been around and whether they're owned by a parent company or, or still like independent. Um, it, it's very broad. And I, I think that uh, at some point for a lot of brands, brands that I think when they reach a certain size, they create uh, a position internally um, or a like group that um, kind of individually might do color and they, they might look at like a bigger trend house or um, something to get like books from to help give inspiration. That can be a route. Um, I like, I mean, I'm totally biased, but I, I see value in um, remaining independent in providing that service, just that it's like a um, more insight from what's going on with other brands and kind of not getting too pigeonholed within um, the vibe or within the walls of a particular business, but making sure that you stay open to influences going on around you. Hmm. How, I guess in, in design and in the digital world that I work in, there, you either follow trends or you set trends um, while still trying to be classic. So how can someone decide if they're taking a risk as versus like doing something from, from a strategic place? Like at some point there are no guarantees because you don't know how people will feel two years out, but kind of how do you gauge that? Wow, that's a that's another good one. Um, I think, like you said, you don't know for certain, but I think there's a, I think there's a pretty big gut feel, and I think um, you trust that, and you make sure that you're confident about how you launch that design or that color, um, and make sure that your confidence confidence and your love of that um, shows in in your presentation of that product and I think that 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 matters so much um, but I mean in the I, who knows you know like in two like two years ago we didn't see pandemic coming right like and how how much did that derail um product launches uh and how much feels just off now because it's the timing um but i think i think there is a fair amount of trusting your gut and also looking at the history of what has worked and what has gotten the response that you've wanted or the engagement or just made you made your customers um, feel connected and to build on that uh, in the best way that you can two years out. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for you. Like you have the advantage of you've, owned your own company for you said 19 years like you've been doing it for like 20 years or something so you have had the ability to like hang tough through lots of scenarios and like almost be able to sense patterns and trends and like uh change over time 
do you, do you find that that is something that you rely on heavily? I my intuition says it would be extremely helpful in your position. Yeah. Um, yes. I mean, I think that. Oh, well, I hope that hibiscus flowers never come back. Um, <laughs> I will take like I actually I don't have a problem with things being pink. I don't want like I don't want shrink it and pink it, but I don't have a yeah. problem with pink. Um, I do have a problem with hibiscus flowers, but I do think uh, there are cycles of trends um, and that every moment is unique. And I think that even if like, you know, green is big again next year, that, that may make sense for one of the clients I work with, you know, like it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's right for every sort of, um, product or, um, or that it's right for every brand. It's more about like uh, trusting what, um, the point of view that a particular brand has and, and what all the other pieces that they're trying to balance. I do like the other thing that your question made me think about is just um, I it does remind me of like some of the riskier chances that clients of mine have taken when it comes to um, especially when it comes to color, maybe like pattern too. Um, and that even if it, it hasn't always been the most like a bold orange is probably not going to outsell black and anything, but, um, but it still makes a statement and it evolves the relationship that the consumers have with that brand. Um, and that's important that there's some like intangibles that should be valued pretty heavily when you're talking about aesthetics. That's hard. It's probably hard to measure. Well, I guess retail sales are an excellent indication of ROI, but also those intangibles like um, are very hard to measure the success of, and also they're so important. So, kind of how do you how do you factor that in when you sit down to design seasonally? Um, a lot of times, it's limited by what uh, material minimums that uh, a particular client has for, and it might be like across the board or for that particular style. And just uh, that's where usually size of a company comes in a little bit more, or just like the relationship that they have with the factory who's making their products. Like just how, how many, um, how many SKUs can a brand have in a, you know, like in a, in a jacket, like, does it make sense to have four colorways in this style? Um, yes. If it sells X amount, no, if it only sells X amount, or this is like a, um, it could be like a huge high-end fabric story and that might already limit color just if it's super innovative it you know like color might not be really available in that fabric yet um so that would limit it but 
materials can and price and materials and just how many sales are expected for a particular product can limit colorways. And so then when you're looking at, okay, I have five colorways for this jacket, then probably, you know, at, at least like want to do one core colorway um, or safe colorway, but usually with most of um, the companies that I'm working with, it would probably be two, likely three kind of safer colorways and then have one that's more forward and then maybe one that really pushes it. Um, that's usually kind of the thinking. And then if it's um, something, a product that can only come in two colorways, then maybe it's one safe colorway and one that's a little bit pushing it, or maybe it's one safe and one super progressive. Um, it just, it kind of depends on who the target user is and what the end use application is and um, how, how that product is being used in the line. Like, is it a big marketing push? Is it a pinnacle product where you definitely want to make sure you have like a, a core, like black, super stealth, awesome, hardcore colorway, but then your other colorway, you want to be like really flashy and bold. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of, it's talking through all those parts to figure out what makes the most sense. And so how you use, how you use color to help that. And then a lot of times in that there's also, uh, you're also trying to incorporate carryover color in products. So how do you account for that and still make sure your assortment is um, fresh and exciting and hangs well together? I have learned so much in this conversation. <laughs> it's so I I love your perspective. Um, this is one we haven't had on the podcast before. Awesome, well, thank you. Like I'm, I feel like I rambled a, a ton. No, I've I've learned so much. Um, is there anything I haven't asked you that you think our audience would like to know? Uh. Yes. So I, I think there's a perception that um, that when you say the word trend or like when you when anyone talks about like um, planning for color two years out or paying attention to color, I think there's uh, a perception, especially if function is key to to a person or to a brand that it's fleeting, that it it's kind of extraneous, that it doesn't matter, it's superficial, um, and that it's something made up by other people. And I, I think that what I would say to that is that we all respond to things that we like and trend and color trying to make sense of where we'll be in two years is more about just trying to know what what will we all like in in two years time what will matter to each of us 
Uh, and even if that is um, something that looks like color wasn't really considered, it probably was if it like kind of fades away in the background, um, then maybe that was a very intentional color choice so that it was subdued and mellow. I It's so interesting just being on this. It's so interesting being on this side of it. Like, um, I don't know, this year I'm so excited that there's so much like golden retriever color, like different shades of golden retriever. Yes. Oh my God, I love that. I have not heard it called that. And that is, that is perfect. I'm all about it every yeah I'm like buying so much brown and gold and yellow clothing this year I'm all about it yeah I always kind of assumed that it came from like fashion shows in New York City and then eventually would trickle into the outdoor industry or something like I never really thought about like you're you're an avid cyclist like you're out there like using the stuff thinking about the stuff it's not coming from some mysterious runway in Manhattan yeah. And I think, I mean, I think like that used to be like fashion and like runway stuff used to like be so much more important to like, oh, let's follow that. But um, no, for sure, not anymore. But it, it's also like, I mean, I do work with Sims, like Sims customers aren't ever going to be like, man, I really want that lime green something. I mean, I should say, I shouldn't say never, but like, if like fuchsia is all the rage next year, that is just like not, that doesn't make sense for them. Even like, like um, golden retriever might, you know, like that it's, it's really like what makes sense for this person in two years? Like we all don't want the same thing. And as there are tons of different brands in our industry because there are tons of different personalities in our industry. And, and so like color is part of expressing that personality, whether you're the brand or the consumer buying. Um, and so it's, it, you don't want the same thing from everybody. Wow. Where can people follow you online or contact you? Yeah. So um, my website is, uh, donray.com. And so that's D-A-W-N-R-A-E.com. And then, um, Instagram is Donray K. Um, so it's at D-A-W-N-R-A-E-K. Um, my website definitely is more of my portfolio of work. Uh, and my Instagram is more how I get refueled to do my work. So Mostly my Instagram is a lot of family bikepacking pictures, um, but yeah. And uh, you can contact me through like my website has contact info. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time and um, knowledge and wisdom. I appreciate all of it. Yeah, this was fantastic. It was lovely to connect with you and talk with you. Thank you so much, Don Ray, for joining us on the show. Like I said, that was a meaty episode. So much information that I never knew before, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have learned a ton from you. So thank you so much for joining us. To our listeners, thanks again for having us between your ears this morning or evening or afternoon or middle of the night. I don't know when you listen to podcasts. 
But no matter when you listen to podcasts, please, if you haven't already, leave us a review. That helps us get to more people or send the show to a friend that you think might enjoy it. You can find us at Wheelie Creative on Instagram, and you can DM us to let us know who you'd like to hear on the show next. And with that, we will see you next week. Thanks so much for listening.